concluding, we're concluding our sermon series on why salvation? Why has Jesus saved us? I always reserve the right to come back uh, to a series because there are so many more reasons we'll find, not just in Paul, and that's where we've been looking, is in the epistles of Paul, but throughout Scripture, why Jesus was sent for us, all that he wanted us to have. We began by talking about he, he came that we might be forgiven of sin and that we might be gifted with heaven with him someday. But then we also talked about, in Paul's writings, about the importance of reconciliation. He wanted you. He wanted to draw you back uh, to himself. We talked about what we've been saved from, from the course of this world, from the temptations of the devil and of, and of the flesh and also of, from an ungodly mind. But the last couple of weeks we've talked about, what were you saved for? He saved you for some things. He saved you for good works, that through your life you might put his glory on display, how you live and how you serve others. And last week uh, we talked about how he saved you for holiness. Yes, even in this present age that he could reform our image, that he could do a work in our hearts, that we could put his life on display through how we live, that he could do a a purifying work of our souls. So today, why has Jesus saved you? And we're looking at what Paul's saying to Timothy, but we find this through throughout so many of the epistles, and we can't leave this series without touching on this subject because it's it's constant for Paul. You see it here somewhat, but you see it, and we'll quote some other scriptures where we see it all the way. But let's let's first start where we've started every week. Before we talk about us, what do you see about Jesus here? How do we need to give him glory for today? If you're a note taker, this, this might be God's uh, uh, way uh, for people, verses five through six. So we're going to talk about other things that God does for people, but God's way for people, it's pointed out clearly here in verses five and six, that we were bankrupt, that we had not just bankrupt, we had a debt a debt because of our sin and our transgression. I think there's something very right when other trend, uh, traditions pray the Lord's Prayer. It's right to say, Lord, forgive us our transgressions, but also that, that language of debt. Some of y'all grew up with that language. Um, you see that here. Now, we know even though we were bankrupt, we looked at Ephesians 2 a few weeks ago, but God is rich, and he's rich in mercy And so we see here this reminder of one of the many reasons Jesus gave himself up for us on the cross was to be our ransom. That that monetary term, that there was a debt that was owed. It's what we sang this morning in our opening hymn. He didn't just seek us, but he had to buy us. Us. It's what our, partly of what our choir sang for us this morning about Jesus, that there was a price that had to be paid. We were in debt and Jesus Christ paid what we couldn't pay. When you get to what I think really is the center, the climax of Mark's gospel, Mark 10, 45, when we get this reminder of who Jesus is, he says, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Over and over again, we see that reminder through Scripture that we are in debt. Paul says it two different times in 1 Corinthians, that we have been bought with a price. So we just pause and give praise to Christ who came to be our mediator, who came to go to stand in the gap for us and to buy us back through his 
his blood. Both times, by the way, when Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians, that we've been bought with a price, he immediately follows that up, though, with a response. What's to be the response of God's people because they've been bought with a price? So we see God's way for people in verses 5 through 6. But if, if, if you will go back up to verse 4, we see God's heart for people. And the right response to his ransoming of us is, is to be about his heart for people. And what is his heart? And you see it here. You know, people will often say, and I think it's right to say this, I want my heart to be broken with the things that break God's heart. And there's something very, very right about that, that, that if, if God's heart, if his heart breaks for those who struggle, then as the people of God, our hearts ought to break for people who struggle. And so that's why we're doing what we do today. It's why we fund what we're funding today with Rise Against Hunger. If there are people who are hungry, that breaks God's heart. We want to be a part of that. Sarah and I, uh, this, this weekend, had driven up. Now, partly we drove up to North Mississippi. I'll, I don't, again, I, I bragged last week. I'm going to brag again. Pretty big Valentine's Day guy. And, <laughs> and you can learn from me, gentlemen. Uh, my, plan, my plan was to take my wife to college hockey. That was my plan. Not y'all pray for my wife. So anyway, but but the real heart of the the start of that trip uh, was to meet up with somebody who blessed us through Shade and Freshwater Project. Our church has been sponsoring uh, Shade and Freshwater Project in Villa Planalto. It's a Brazil ministry uh, that ministers to kids on the street. They're on the street more. They, they only go to school a third of the day, sometimes half of the day. And so we're supporting a church in Vila Planalto in Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, to bless them as they minister to the physical, the educational, but more, most importantly, the spiritual needs of street children. And this summer, our student ministry's been asked to go. And we're going to partner with Shade and, Fresh well, uh, Shade and Fresh Water Ministry and Bella Horizonte. And so the, the impetus for our going to North Mississippi was to see an interpreter who not only had blessed us on a couple of trips when we've gone to other mission trips for Shade and Fresh Water, but the day before we left for Brazil in 2015 or 16, 15, December 15, Sarah had a medical emergency and she, shouldn't, she couldn't go which means I am going to be the interpreter for the trip. My Portuguese is basically about food products and where's the bathroom. That's my port, you know, that's, that's I, I bro- and I'm stuck. And word got uh, to Catalina. And this young single girl said, my vacation, it's yours. And she met our team at the airport and stayed with our team that whole week. We had interpreters later in the week we were going to have, but Sarah was going to be it. Let me, let me serve you. And just dropped work, dropped dollars for us. And so she was in the States uh, this past Thursday. And so we drove up to New Albany, drove just, just for a quick lunch, but just as a thanks and, and to encourage her. Because again, you're here to bless street children. I will drop work. And that's what we're called to do. Part of the response is to have the heart of God. Whatever breaks his heart, we will run to the sound of the pain of our community and around the world if it breaks the heart of God. To have the heart of God, the things that break the heart of God as well, as, as we look uh, and, and we think about if God hates a sin, 
I'm going to hate sin. Whatever is his heart for that. If he hates sin, I'll repent of that sin and hate that sin. But here we see the heart of God. And what do we see in verse 4? This is his heart. Lost people break his heart. It's God's heart that all people would be saved. And so people's lostness should break our hearts. And so Paul is saying, yes, I'm appointed for that work. But you see throughout Paul's epistles, you're going to see it in this letter and other levels, uh, other letters. The reminder is that's to be our burden and heart as well. If that's God's heart. And he desires all people to be saved. Then it's got to be our church's heart. It's got to be our heart that all come to the knowledge of the truth. And if you just search that phrase, knowledge of the truth, throughout Paul's letters, he's always talking about that with salvation. I want them to know Jesus. Romans 10, and you see it, not just as hard for the Gentiles, Romans 10, 1. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and my prayer to God is for them, the Gentiles, for their salvation, but also for the Jews. He speaks in Romans 11, 13 through 14. He even says, I am ministering to these Gentiles and I hope it makes the Jews jealous to the point that they, and here's what he says, that their jealousy, because of their jealousy, some of them will get saved. That's his heart, that all would know salvation. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 33, you see the same thing. Whatever, whatever I can do, eat or drink, whatever you do, all to the glory of God. And then he ends that passage by, so that they may be saved. That's always on his mind. He's oriented his whole life around that. Really, in 1 Corinthians 10, he's saying, if there's anything in my life that might offend somebody, I've got to put that to the side so that people might be saved. You see it later in a letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26, and he's talking about, let me be, let the Lord's bond servant, those who serve the Lord, don't be quarrelsome. You may be kind, you be skilled in teaching, you be patient when wrong. All of that, so at the end, they come to know the knowledge of the truth. And so they come to their senses, just like in Luke 15 with the prodigal son. They come to their senses, and they escape the devil. And you see that kind of reminder. Whatever it takes, Paul says, I will yield my life for those who are weak. First Corinthians 9.22. To the weak I became weak, that I may gain the weak. I become all things to all people, so that I may by all means save some. As you and I look at our, our lives this morning, is there anything that needs to go, that's gotten in the way for reaching somebody that the Lord's calling you to, to share your faith with? Is there anything that needs to get started where I need to, I know the questions of my neighbor and I need to do my homework so I can show him my care, her my care for them that I've got the answers. I've talked to my pastors. I'm ready to talk to them about faith. Is there anything in my schedule, my family schedule, that's got to go so I can build some margin in my life to be available for a coworker or a neighbor who so desperately needs to know Jesus. Paul says, I put all these things that are my right to have. He's a know-it-all. He knows that I can eat. I can even give up barbecue is what Paul says. It could have been his. I'm a, I know. I didn't get an amen on that. I got an oh no. That's right. Can I give that up? So that somebody who's weak might be saved. Paul says he is appointed for that. And that's the last point. God has a way for people, right? God has a heart for people, but God has an appointment for people, verse 7. And it's not just for Paul. If you go back to Romans chapter 12, you see that Paul's clear. We each have a measure 
of faith. Each is given a measure of faith. Romans 12, you can also go to Romans 12 and 14. Each is given a a different spiritual gift. We can't compare our gifts with one another, our faith with one another, but we are all appointed and gifted to this ministry, this calling of sharing the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are all appointed as ambassadors for Christ to share our faith uh, with others. And listen, if you, as soon as I share that, many of us are going to say, I feel unworthy of that. That's the point. And that's the gospel. I am unworthy. I am in debt. But it's Christ who came to be mediator and ransom. He deemed me worthy to die for, not because of my works, not anything I've done. He just loved me and said I was worthy to give his life for. That's all it is is one debtor speaking to another debtor of the person who paid the price. Or as church history would talk about, just one beggar talking to another beggar, here's where you can find food. Uh, I feel unworthy to share. But what Paul reminds us is he has an appointment to do that. All of us have a call in our life to be an ambassador. As Paul would say, a a fellow partaker in this ministry. I, uh, I had the Jehovah Witnesses come to my door this week. I told this to our uh, uh, pastor's Bible study uh, Wednesday night. And, and when they come with me, we have a conversation. They usually don't stay long. But, <laughs> but this, guy, this guy was driven, right? He was just right out of the gate. Bang, bang, bang. And finally, after about four minutes of unloading, he finally said, And what's your name, good sir? And so I had him. So you all know me. I said, my name is Barry Lee Mayle. Say that quickly for me. And he said it quickly. And he lost it. When he realized my name was Barry Lee Mayle, he lost it. And it just took the edge off. You know, and those two guys couldn't keep a straight face the whole time. They don't believe what we believe about Jesus. They believe him to be lesser. They believe him to be, in a real sense, created. Uh, and yet they're still going door to door and risking and giving their time. Same with other religious groups around us down the road. They don't believe Jesus is the eternal son of God. They believe that mother and father God were together. And that these are sweet, sweet people. Don't mishear me. But they believe that he was, Jesus was a created. There was a time when he was not. We believe in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. doesn't mean we have to go door to door, but you think about it, door to door, all that time, all that energy. Do you know the statistics on that are like this? That cold call evangelism? It's still somebody. Maybe we need to start walking on doors because Jesus loves that. He loves them. Who is it? What is, what, who is that person, that divine appointment in your life that God's going to gift to you? And I know you just got to press through and know that he's, he's encouraging in you in this, to be a fellow partaker in this work. My daughter, trying to be intentional with my daughter, her favorite Christian band, and I knew I shouldn't have gone, it was Pearl. But anyway, I went to Pearl, just picking, I went to Pearl, her favorite Christian band was playing out there five or six years ago. I thought this would be a good daddy-daughter date. We had 75 daughters here for the daddy daughter dance some of you guys so uncomfortable dancing i saw the videos i would it would i would have been terrible too 
that you were intentional with your daughter. So I'm trying to be intentional uh, with my daughter. And so I'm taking her favorite band and uh, to go see her friend. And we're gonna get there early. So we're gonna be front row and there she is. And I have a small fender bender and it's my fault. Nothing happens to the other car. Barely a scratch on my car, but now we gotta fill out the reports just to be safe. So I'm frustrated because I had this great idea. Now that I got this scratch on my car, we're going to be sitting in the back. And we were. We we're all the way in the back. So Sarah, my daughter, and I, we just kind of plopped down in our chairs in the back. They're fine. I'm fuming, thinking about the dollars, thinking about being laid, the blown plans. And we plopped down, and right next to us is a kid from my former youth group I hadn't seen in 20-plus years. And he says, hey, hey, Barry, it's good to see you. Can I talk to you? Now, here I am, intentional for my daughter. I'm like, Here's what it's going to be. He's going to come want to complain about his church, or he's going to ask me something. I'm trying. Yeah, you bet. What, what's, what's going on? It was you. It was you. And uh, because of your, your leading, I said yes to Jesus Christ as a kid, and I never, I never got to tell you that. It was you. Paul names names. You see it here with Timothy, but go to his other letters. I, th- I think I've written it down. Go to his other letters. Um, and you just see it, the end of 1 Corinthians, the end of Colossians, the end of Romans, the end of 2 Timothy, the end of Titus, the end of Philemon. Everywhere, Paul's naming names about older, younger men and women. These are the people who have taken up the gospel and they're sharing the gospel and they're part of the kingdom work. We've got to press through whatever feelings of unworthiness we have. All of us are called to be. All of us are appointed to be fellow partakers in the sharing of Jesus Christ. You can name names. It's not often a preacher, a coach, a teacher, Sunday school teacher, a neighbor, somebody in your community who shared with you Jesus Christ. How is it? You and I. Because God has made a way for us in Christ Jesus. Because God has a heart for all. We want to be caught up in whatever ministry and witness that that he has his heart set on. How is it we, how is it we can share that gospel with others? Let's pray about that. Father, if there's anything in our life that needs to go, whether it's feelings of unworthiness, feeling ill-equipped, Or maybe there's practices in our life that are a stumbling block for others. Whatever needs to go, Father, would you take those away by your spirit and to open us up uh, to being about your heart, a heart that desires that all to be saved. Uh, We thank you for that call upon our lives. Father, we're praying for divine appointments even this week where we can be your care, where we can be your counsel, uh, where we can be your hands and feet. But Father God, we can even be your voice. We pray for that. We thank you for that call. We praise you, Lord Jesus, that you paid it all for us, that you paid the price. Help us to be intentional and careful and bold to be able to share that with others. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.